We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I just like the sound. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Davis, at The Lame Show on all social media outlets. My guy, Alan, in the building. A-double-L-E-N. What's good? Let's go. Uh, man, how you been? Because I haven't seen you in like a week and a half. Yeah. Because we did, we did the, the Thanksgiving slate on the YouTube channel. Mm. I saw some people went and tuned in and checked that out. So shout out to you guys. YouTube.com slash Veterans Minimum. Cheap plug. Get it out the way. How was uh how was your Thanksgiving? How was your holiday? You do any shopping? Are you a Black Friday guy? What's up? Not too much Black Friday. I'll buy a pair of jeans and a gesture. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, I had to, I was working because the Falcons play at night, so uh, it was just second time, uh, you know, this year. Just well, the past two years, I should say. So, uh, but of course, you enjoy a good meal. But I thought Sunday slate was pretty lackluster. Like I was because I don't get to watch red zone too much unless when the fans are on i can't watch red zone it's like one of the few sunnies a year i get to watch red zone and like the games are really lackluster like i don't know and then the four o'clock slate was brutal so not a really good week for football but i enjoyed it yeah it was i mean i i always have the giants on in the background and shit show daniel jones is hurt now so eli manning is starting on monday night football so fire up eagles d with the utmost confidence uh, and yeah, like the the only good game was the Niners and the Ravens. That was a pretty good. And the weather, fortunately, the the, we, the weather killed it. Yeah. But it was still good to see those two teams like really show out. And you know, I got a lot out of that from both of those teams. We'll get to that in a little bit. But dude, 
when it comes to like uh the shopping stuff black friday shout out to everyone that bought stuff i, I checked out the numbers from the loyalist loyalist.com slash veterans minimum man i'm getting really good at these like yeah i get the lead these in. <laughs> these these like cheap plugs you know what i'm saying and some people reached out for some of the merch too like fully would approve oh yeah bang bang <laughs> so yeah um I, I don't i didn't really do any shopping bro what i usually do is I don't, i'm not really like a shopper okay. right i went to the mall a couple of weeks ago and i got a bomber jacket that you know i threw the vm logo on it and whatnot not for sale just to like in 2020 i plan on just wearing like my merch kind of thing you know to like spread the word and whatnot but when's the last time you went to the mall to shop because for me it's been like a long like i'm talking about years bro yeah no been a while because i'm primarily in manhattan so like you just see stores oh, chill up right. upper echelon yes yeah, so, <laughs> like i don't go to old island i don't go to roosevelt field really anymore i used to go back a day but now it's just it's just easy access like why am i going to go to the mall and yeah, go out of my way when i could just buy stuff because you know whether it's through amazon or if i'm just gonna order stuff or just if it's right there why not just go there so i just don't like going out of my way for stuff anymore just if the things are there why not the only thing I go out my way to buy is when it's clothes from either a company I'm not familiar with mm-hmm. or if it's like a suit. Like, I'm not going to buy a suit off Amazon, no. right? <laughs> where a suit, like, you know, I want to tailor it. I want to custom fit. You know, my body's at a position right now where it's probably going to be what it is going forward. You know, like, I've lost the weight that I've lost and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Actually, shit, I've put on, like... Well, Thanksgiving, let's... Uh, let's nah, but not even... I've had, I've had a really good week of working out and eating right there you go you know i got miami in 42 days and a couple of hours until my flight uh i do have a i have a timer on my phone that's how like like a countdown thing so that's how i know it's exactly nice but you know i gotta get right for the 305 because lamb loves the 305 this is one thing you know about me alan and everyone that listens but going back to the suit thing like when it's something like a suit or something where you need it to be you know fit a certain way then I go to the mall, and that's why I went to the mall because I'm thinking of like buying a couple of suits. You know, New Year's is coming up, Christmas and whatnot. But man, it is unbelievable how like quiet the mall was too. And I went on like a Wednesday night at around seven o'clock, and it was just like dead, dude. I feel like wow. Amazon has just destroyed everything. It's a monopoly. Yeah, like, like everyone, if it's anything that's more accessible people are going to do now like that's whether it's do apps or just go on amazon because why am i going to wait in traffic why am i going to go kill myself for 30 45 minutes or even longer so and then they might not have your size it might be out of stock it might not be available yeah. so especially if you're have like really high standards it's like oh if, if like something's not right or if it's on the floor i'm not touching yet because you know people are they're very fickle yeah and also i wear i wear medium shirts and i'm a 34 waist Mm -hmm. and it's like the most popular sizes for men and like i'm a size 10 in shoes so it's like i always struggle to find stuff you know so it's always an adventure there but one thing i want to ask you about though because obviously being the proud gambler that you are this whole josh shaw situation oh man yeah um I do have a guest coming on next week, so I'm not going to give, you know, we're, we're primarily talking about this. I don't want to give away too much, but I will say that the one thing that has irked me is a lot of people have gone on talk shows or on TV and, you know, even CNN ran a story and they're like, wow, he's seen that. Well, dude, it's like, you know, it's, it's a professional athlete True. betting on his team. You know, right. this is Pete Rose all over again. Yeah. And the big talking point is well this is the reason why sports betting shouldn't be legalized and it's like no you couldn't be more wrong this is the exact reason why sports betting should be legalized because 
long story short, we're not without giving away too much. Again, this is yet another situation that the sports book snitched on Joshua. First of all, the guy wrote professional athlete on occupation. Mm-hmm. When he claimed his prize, he wrote professional athlete. Yeah. Legend. Right? Like you're an idiot for doing that. Number one. Number two, get one of your friends to go do it. Right? Like you can easily do that. Mm. If I'm saying if you're gonna go do it. All right. Right. Number three, there's been a case way back in the day, Arizona State football team, they had some gambling issues. Boston College, they did a tremendous thirty for thirty on the BC scandal mm. where, you know, they were point shaving. Mm. And then now you have Josh Shaw come over and it's like, Well, the sports books are the ones that sold out Tim Donahue. The BC scandal, because their main objective is to win money. Yeah. They've built brick and mortar casinos and hotels. All that shit you see out in Vegas, fabulous Las Vegas. You know how they built that? Legends like us going up to windows and placing 14 parlays for $100. That's how. You, so You bound England to win the Euros in 2016. Oh, my God. I'll never forget. I was at the Wet Republic pool party, and there's a huge-ass banner in one of the cabanas. And it's a Man U flag. There's an England flag. And that was when they were playing. I believe it was Russia. Russia. Yeah, they drew. And they drew. And I, I saw the guys up there. And I was just like, what's up, lads? We, we got a W today, right? They're like, oh, man, these guys are just going off. I was like, what do you mean what happened? They're like, we tied to the Russians. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I bet, I bet you know, uh, here comes a, a humble brag and a flex. I bet $500 on them to win the Euro Cup. Right. And uh, I told the guy, he goes, mate, stupid. He's like, they're never going to win. He's like, you should have asked us before you placed it. But anyway, going back to the Josh Shaw thing, man, like I, I think it's very important for people to understand that when it's legalized and it's regulated and you have to go to a casino, you have to go to a sports book, what happens is it's it's protected by the sports book. You know, like if Josh Shaw was to go and do that with the bookie down the block, that's fine. Like that's easier for it to be covered up and hidden. Right. And, you know, I just think that when it's regulated and it's protected like that, you can avoid scandals like this. And lo and behold, Joshua got got caught, you know. His career's probably over at this point. Well, yeah. You know, he was also the guy that had, like, he had some shit at USC, too. Like, he jumped oh. out a window or he did something crazy. Like, it, it I was, think every three like years is a scandal at USC. He faked an injury, I think it was. Wow. At so USC. I, I, I want to pull it up right he now. He was currently on IR. I yeah, mean, he was on IR too, which yeah. was another thing. Like he was a guy who, like, he oh, had no secondary impact. Is disaster. Yeah. yeah, he had no impact on on that game. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like you bet on your team, and I'm sure you have some insider information, mm-hmm. like you knew the matchups or whatnot. Um, you know, he uh, tells the truth about what really happened that August day, which he suffered two high ankle sprains after leaping from a third story balcony. One of the strangest college football stories. Ever since Manti Teo's fake girlfriend. Shout out to Manti Teo. Just got picked up. Did he? By the Saints. Again? Yeah. I, yeah, he was pretty solid with the Saints. I guess they just need linebacker dead. Right. There's certain teams, like look at the Vikings. Like Laquan Treble, for instance. No team touched him when he got cut. They're like, all right, you know a system. I guess we have to bring you on because there's no receivers out there. You just, right, yeah. Certain it, team connections. Yeah. Right. Adam Thielen was especially, especially when you're a high-round pick. They'll continue to give you chances no matter how many times you underwhelm. Like yeah. a treadmill or a tail. I mean, shit. The Giants kept Eric Flowers all those years because he was a young first round pick. And it's right. like, well, you know, after like 22 games, you realize that that ain't it, Chief. Can't start. That ain't it. So, Alan, looking at the landscape of the National Football League right now, I got to ask you a question. Of the teams that we're looking at, 
let's do a top five Super Bowl contender list, right? I want you to start off with let's do let's do like a draft right now. Okay. All right. So we'll do six teams. We each rotate and we see which one of us ultimately picks the Super Bowl winner. How's that? Is that good with you? All right. All right. Now you as the guest and the co-host, I'll give you the luxury of getting the first pick in this snake draft. So I want you to pick the team that you have as your number one contender to win the Super Bowl. Still ride with the Saints. Saints. Still. Wow. I know they've looked vulnerable a bit, but I'm still uh, confident with their offense. I think Teron Armstead is bound to come back. Getting him will, back will be huge. And just that secondary is really playing at a high level. I think uh, putting P.J. Williams in the slots, helping him out. Eli Apple had a couple of bad PIs against the Falcons, but I think he's even set up. But that safety duo, Von Bell, Von Bell and uh, Marcus Williams, really elevated that play. I, just, I think that defense won the better units league. I know they allow a lot of yards, but when you have a pass rush and you have a secondary that are full ball hawks, I think they have enough. And then offensively, the Saints are what they are. So, yeah, I'm still running with them. Okay, so that's a shock to me. That's a shock. I've been high on them all year. I you know they had the blunder against been. the Falcons, but I'm going to cut that as one game. I am still a little concerned about Breeze, but I thought he actually looked really good on Thanksgiving. Just Jared Cook, you got to hold on to the ball. Like I've been saying this for eight years at this point. Just hold on to the ball. You're a freak. You're a credible athlete. Like, come on. So, I thought you would pick the Ravens. I'm oh, not they're pick, up there. Yeah. I'm not going to pick the Ravens. I'm going to also pick an NFC team. That you've been high on all year. Yeah. Since August. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still not ready to sell my stock on the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. I like what I saw in that game against the Ravens. Um, Lamar Jackson, we'll get to the Ravens in a little bit because I'm sure one of us is going to pick a, pick them. Man, they that defensive line is no joke. And also that dude, we were talking about it when when we were watching the Niners. Oh no, when they had played the Sunday night football game, and then we recorded the Thanksgiving special. Yeah, and I was just like, dude, that guy on the Niners, that linebacker, Fred Warner. Like, I don't know what his like the analytics numbers behind them are, and I don't know like what his measurables are, but it's like I just see that dude. Like, I'm a big eye test guy. Yeah. I've always been like, right. you know. Last year it was the Adam Jones and Jamal Williams debate. I was like, dude, the offense just flows better when Adam Jones is. And then, you know, like in the offseason, like Adam Jones is the better PFF guy and whatnot. And it's like that dude just always is around the ball. He always makes plays. And it turns out that he's like the the signal caller for that defense too, which is, you know, high praise also. But I think they have a really complete team. Debo Samuel is now like a legitimate gonna start on your fantasy team and – you can expect him to put up double digit points kind of thing. Like he's a reliable wide receiver. Having Kittle healthy is big. Kittle Kittle is probably the most Complete impactful yeah. skill position player, I think, on in 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 the NFL on offense. Because look, look at that run by Mozart, the touchdown run. Kittle had the main block. Yeah. He's a phenomenal blocker. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, this uh, you know, the running back by committee thing with the Niners, it's it's something that Shanahan did, you know, back in his Always day with, it, yeah. with with the Falcons. So it's not something where, you know, like Coleman gets hurt and it's like Breida's in or, or Breida's hurt. And it's like I got Jeff Wilson and I got Most Mostert. Right. It's like, you know, it's more the system and the scheme that allows these guys to have the luxury. And, you know, I, I love the Emmanuel Sanders pickup. Um, Juszczyk's always a threat. Yeah, Bourne makes yeah. like three, four it's key terrible catches. Terrible hand. That CL game was a nightmare, yeah, but he, yeah, yeah. he is a decent possession receiver. So I'm going to go with the Niners as my number two pick. Who are you going with at three? 
Gotta go to the Ravens at this point. Mm, okay. That secondary is scary. And it's been no joke since they got Peters, too. Right. And, and he's really... I know he kind of botched the touchdown to Samuel, but look, everyone loses. Sometimes, you know, checking deep balls is not as easy as it looks. Like, everyone's like, oh, it's, it was in this area. He has to knock it out. Sometimes you just lose checking balls, especially in that weather. So between him, I thought Humphrey had a really good game against... Uh, Niners and Jimmy Smith is always someone that's going to deliver. Earl Thomas is looking a little old. Like that touchdown run took a very bad angle, and he, he just doesn't have the agility once had. But I think when you tear your Achilles, especially at that age, you're, it was a tear his ACL or his Achilles. Wasn't it like a groin injury? He because he went on IR like in early September, right? Well, I remember he had the holdout, and then he got hurt against the uh, I believe it was the Cardinals that he got hurt. Yeah, because he flipped off. P. And he flipped off. Pete Carroll, what was it that he hurt? I don't think it was an Achilles, bro. I, I'm pretty sure it was a groin or, or, or a hamstring. But I do think, you know, the addition of... Fractured his left leg. Okay. Fractured left leg. Still, right. at age, so, that's a pretty painful... So you, you were closer than I yeah. was. I was talking about the man region. Yeah. You are talking about, like, the lower leg injury. But I do think that, like, Earl Thomas, it's more like just a veteran presence back there, more than anything. And, you know, Jimmy Smith is back. Marlon Humphreys, super underrated. I think now he's starting to really get the love and Marcus Peters. And, you know, they they generate a pass rush through yeah. blitzing, too. Yeah. That offense line is also really The offensive line is good. I, I'm a little concerned, though, with the Ravens. Like, can you get away with, a, like, 150 yards passing from Lamar and all of it, like, none of it going to your wide receivers? Well, in that particular matchup between the weather being bad, Lamar missed some throws, don't be wrong, but I think against the best defense league in San Fran, it's like – you guys take what you can get. And just with the weather, I think it was just one of those matches. But uh, I think with just Lamar, they were just killing him on the zone read. Like, San Fran was at position. Like, whenever Baltimore won the run zone read, they had success. That was it. And then they mixed up with Edwards and Ingram. It just If you keep them guessing like that, you only need to throw the ball too much. So I understand there's some concern with that. But the way Baltimore runs their offense, it really doesn't matter. I think their receivers, if they make plays, great. But it's all scheme at this point when it comes to creating passing plays. I look at the play action pass to uh, Mark Andrews for a touchdown. They've been doing that all year. Even San Fran, as great as that defense is, they fell for it, like the play fake. Like Warner was completely out of position. They hit Andrews down the seam. So I just think Greg Roman, guy that I think teams will be looking at for a potential head coach, for them it's all about scheme. So that's why I think Baltimore, they're in a really good position. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, right now, they're the Vegas favorite to win the Super Bowl. So, uh, good pick there. Um, man, I'm going to go with another NFC team. Okay. And I'm a little bit concerned. I want you to tell me what you think about this stat right here. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. And I like that pick. And are they the luckiest team ever? Because one possession games, they're like 6-0 and now. Or yeah, five and zero. Oh. I yeah. know there was that stand Monday night they showed. Yeah, they on the so team. so per RJ Bell, RJ in Vegas, my guy RJ Bell, big fan of his. Ten and two record, yet outscored opponents by only thirty six points combined this season, plus three points per game. The last thirty seasons, first NFL team to have ten wins by game number twelve without outscoring opponents by more than three points per game. This is a team that they. I always say one of the biggest things when it comes to handicapping and seasonal outlooks win totals division odds super bowl odds is record in one possession games right it's one of like my key things and also turnover differential you can't bank on the chicago bears last year their defense was so lights out because they caused all these turnovers and they had countless 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 
defensive scores. Same are, as the Jaguars in 2017. Right. And, yo, you can't account for a team to be plus 30 every year in turnovers. Yeah. Like, those are outlier seasons, mm-hmm. right? Between that and record in one-score games. Look at the Chargers this year, prime example. Right? Well, past line teams were notorious for that. Right. It's like one year they go 7-1 and one and they make the playoffs. The next year they go 1-8. and eight. So yeah. where I'm getting at with the Seahawks is they've been consistent in one-score games due to the magic that is Russell Wilson. And I think he's literally playing at a level where I think him and Lamar are a lot closer in MVP, in my opinion. And I think, especially when you look at what Seattle is putting out there, bro. Like, dude, Tyler Lockett got zero catches on Monday Night Football. Like, I think he was battling the flu. He was, he yeah. was. But, you know, it's like Malik Turner is becoming a thing. Josh Gordon got signed off basically his couch after being cut by the Patriots. And he's catching key third downs. More, more benefit from Xavier Rhodes' coverage bust. Right. But also, like, Jacob Hollister now is starting in your fantasy league. You know, Will Disley became a thing. It's right. like this dude is doing it with not much around him. And his defense is playing better. And Clowney's becoming more of an impactful guy. But the Ravens roster is much better. Would you yeah. agree? Oh, yeah. Top to bottom? I'm looking at their one-score games right now. So you have Cincinnati, which, wow, week one, they beat the... Bengals by one point. That crazy looking bad. Pittsburgh, one by two. That Rams Thursday night game. All right, that's one where you could say they were lucky. Even beating the Browns by four, they lucky. Like they dominated the Falcons, but only one by seven because they let them back in. Bucks overtime. Niners overtime. Eagles they won by eight. Vikings. Here's my argument with the whole one possession. They clearly outplayed Minnesota. At least I thought. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Clearly outplayed Philly in that game. Garbage time touchdown. San Fran. If Fafetti doesn't pick up the ball and try to run. I think they probably beat San Fran by those because because they, they handled Jimmy G throughout that game. I just think a lot of these Atlanta they won by seven, but they pretty much dominated. Like, it was like yeah, these, a lot. Of, you're right. A lot of garbage. That's why time. I think that's a little inflated when it comes to say okay, they won these one possession close games. Don't get me wrong, they played close games. Like those, we watched a little bit of that Tampa Bay game. There, that was pretty nervy. And that Rams game, they had no business winning their line. One right, of the best right, kickers right. in the league. You expect it's like to a gimme. Yeah. So they've they've benefited a little bit, but at the same time, I think they've really outplayed teams for the most part. Like I, I was really impressed by them against Minnesota. I think their defense is starting to step up because early in the season, they were going to have torn apart. But you've seen John Reed has been a big, because uh, I believe he was suspended for six games. Having him back has been big. He forced a fumble on the Dalvin Cook. And that secondary is getting better. Like, I always like McDougal, uh, Flowers. Former Jet, right? He was the dude on the Jets. Bucks. McDougal? Bradley McDougal. Oh, who's the McDougal I was thinking about with the Jets? They had, a, they had a McDougal. <laughs> uh, Bradley McDougal is from the Bucks, But then uh, I also think uh, Shaquille Griffin starting to stop us. But like, that defense isn't great, but they're starting to at least force turnovers. And that's what you want to see. Like To me, what they've done against the Vikings and the Niners, for them to win both games, I thought they were clearly the better team in both those games. I think it says a lot about them. That's why I really agree with them being a Super Bowl pick. I think it's a really good pick. Besides yeah. having Russell Wilson, of course. Give me your next team. Gonna go with the Chiefs. Ah, uh, damn it! That's I'm excited I, about the Chiefs. That's who I wanted to pick, man. I was uh, I wanted them to fall to me because I tweeted about them today. Did you see my Twitter? You piece of trash. I saw like a brief description. You were just saying like how high. Are, I think we all know how great Mahomes is, though. But yo, don't you think that we do live in a society just across the board, not even in sports, just in general? It's like we're so much in the now. We're like everyone's talking about Lamar Jackson, and look, he's having a sensational season. Don't get me wrong, but Mahomes was doing this shit last year. And everyone was like... It's all recency bias. Yeah, and I just think like, yo, let's not forget like... He's been injured a little bit too, but he's still having a tremendous year. He was throwing some dimes. That throw to Kelsey on his back foot. <laughs> Kelsey was in the air for like six seconds. 
hey, he's got the pass this week. You, Mahomes is going to remind people why he's still the best in the game. I'm really high on him. I think that defense is coming along, too. Bingo. That's a big thing. Chris Jones is still one of the best. Frank Clark's starting to make plays. Honey Badger seems like every week he's getting his hands on the ball. I just, I'm really excited to see because that defense, all they have to do pretty much, don't allow more than like 28 points because you know the offense is going to deliver. They're kind of like the past Rams teams. Like You could bend just don't break. That's pretty much it. And if you can force the turnover too, which they do, they had the playmakers to do so, they're going to win games. So I'm really excited about them and just the fact that we see now Darwin Thompson, someone that a lot of people, like draft analysts, were really excited about. He's now starting to get integrated offense. If Andy Reid likes somebody, he's going to play him. So I think with both Williams's being injured, we're going to see him and Shane McCoy a lot going forward. So I'm just, once again, really excited about offense. And as long as Tyreek Hill stays healthy, put him in Hartman, too. Just, there's a lot of reasons. Just, when it comes to explosiveness, I don't think anyone could compete with Kansas State. They just have so many playmakers and so much speed on both sides of the ball. And I think speed kills. So I'm really, I, I would say right now, probably the second favorite coming out of the AFC. Wow, even even ahead of New England. Yeah, and I'm not trying to say the, the sky's falling in New England. I, obviously, they have problems. But I just think Kansas City right now, what they're finally starting to get healthy. And... That's pretty much the key because I think injuries have really played them this year between Tariq Hill being banged up. I think there's been some injuries on the offensive line and then Mahomes going down. So I think now that they're getting healthy, why aren't they not a contender? Yeah, like I, I was just looking at the Chiefs from a betting perspective because, you know, um, they're 12 to 1 odds right now to win the Super Bowl. Beginning of the year, they were 6 to 1 odds. Obviously, it's because, you know, you're projecting the Chiefs to have home field advantage, a bye week candidate. And. You know, crazier things have happened. If they beat the Pats this weekend, they'll be essentially one game back of New England. They would have to make up ground. But it's something that it was just like a value thing. You know, like I like Thornwall, I think his name is. The, the other Riddick was super high on him. Bro, today. him and Matt, Matt, uh, Honey Badger yeah. are making plays back there. You right. know, their, their secondary is playing better. And I do think that that team is very opportunistic because like you said they know that the offense could go out there and put up a 30 spot and i think that helps your defense when you know that like yo you could just pin your ears back and just go rush the passer yeah, and you know who their d coordinator is of course my boy <laughs> my guy spags um you know the defense is they love to blitz he's always been a guy like that and when he has a good defensive line he can be a good defensive coordinator you know the year that he came back to the giants in 2016 they spent all that money in free agency and, you know, they had snacks, not so much a, a, a tremendous pass rusher, but, you know, you had uh, the thumbless one, JPP. You had Vernon. Vernon, too, who, you know, Vernon coming into that contract, like he didn't have the sack numbers, but he was like top five for four years in QB hits. Yeah. And like to me, I think that's like that's like a stat that kind of flies under the radar. It's like, dude, sure, sacks, you, you might not get 15 sacks. I mean, that's hard to get anyway. But, you know, if you're in the seven, eight sack range, but you're getting like top Consistent five production yeah. at at rushing the passer. I think that's just as good to me. So I am ve- I'm devastated that you picked the Chiefs. So now I'm a little I'm a little flustered. I'm going to go with a team that I wonder if you're going to go outside the box here cuz there's two I, that come to mind. I'm going to go I'm going to go outside the okay. box and I don't want to live in recency bias, but you know, I'm going to pick an AFC team because I've picked two NFC teams. All right. I'm going to go with the Texans. Oh man, you're going to the- Bill O'Brien, right? Bill O'Brien, <laughs> baby. 1-0 this year against Bill Belichick. That's all that matters. Oh, but I do think that you want to talk about an explosive offense, too. Fuller, Stills, obviously. Well, if anyone out. could compete with, with Kansas City when it comes to firepower, it's Houston. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, they've 
they've beaten two of the three best teams in their conference, right? They've beaten the Chiefs in Kansas City. They beat New England. Obviously, they got the doors blown off them against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But it's weird. Like, you look at those four teams right now, the division leaders, they've all, like, beaten each other, right? Like, obviously, the Chiefs play the Pats now. But, you know, Chiefs lose to the Texans. Texans lose to Baltimore. But the Chiefs beat Baltimore, right? So it's like the way it's just like working and maneuvering, you know, right now, New England hasn't beaten anyone yeah. good in their conference. It's exciting because AFC has been so lopsided these past years. Right. So I think like with the Texans, I think Watson is playing at a super high level too. He's a guy similar to Lamar where he could beat you both ways. I do think he's a better passer than Lamar. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm not really yeah, going really say much. And yo, hello. Wake up, Bill O'Brien. You traded a third-round pick for Duke Johnson. You saw what he was able to do against New England. And now the whole trend is like... You, you got to tap those linebackers. Back. Yeah, you need to have a running back that can catch out the backfield. And like, Carlos Hyde, he's cool. You want to give him 20 carries for 64 yards and hope that he stumbles into the end zone? Fine, congrats. Yeah. But like, I think Duke Johnson should be playing more. And their defense... You know, their defense, I don't know how to feel how I feel about them. Obviously, losing J.J. Watt was big. And, you know, they also lose Clowney, essentially, too, if you look at that. But... Is another thing where, like, if you're Romeo Cornell and you're the defense, you're like, just don't give up 40 points because our defense can put up 30 on anyone. Plus, Watt may come back for the playoffs. Oh, okay. Huge. That would be. That's a difference maker right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. He's had a really good year. It's just injuries that played them. But uh, I also like DJ Reader. I think he's having a breakout year at the nose tackle. Mm. Uh, we don't get, Nose tackles don't get too much love, but right, a guy right. at the end that can stop Actually, no, we show yeah. some love. I've, I've oh, snacks, love. yeah. Yeah, but J- uh, Jared, too, Jared your boy. Jared yeah. So I think th- you have to keep that in mind. Like, I don't know what how much to take from that New England game because New England receivers just can't separate. But it's good to know at least Houston, they could hold up somewhat because I thought that secondary going to season, Houston was looking rough. Mm-hmm. And then that New Orleans game, they just got torn apart. So I was just looking at their corners and just the safeties. I'm like, I don't know how good they are, but at least they can hold up against some competition because that's the key. Because for me, you know they're going to put up points. Offense line's playing somewhat better. But for me, with Houston, if they're going to really contend, it's going to come down to that defense, primarily the secondary. Yeah, that secondary is still going to be the issue. You know, they're still throwing out there Jonathan Joseph, who's shit. That guy's been in the league for t- Tayshawn Gibson's out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So no Patriots, no Packers. Those are two teams I think people keep in mind. I think we're going to get some uh, nasty tweets about that, leaving those two teams out there. Um, I'm not down. I'm not too down on the Patriots. It's just now nah, their offense is it's it's a rough watch right now. It's, yeah, it's, it's Edelman and White, and that's it. You right, know, you can't. You know, we had Davino on the show, and he's a big Pats fan, and he he's been telling me he's like, "Yo, Brady's shot. Like Brady's not good." And have you seen what AB's been doing as of late? All uh, over I, Instagram, just tagging Brady, missing the Pats. Yeah, God, this guy is so attention seeking. But here's the thing, though. Call me crazy. I think if he goes to New England, they become the favorite again. Yeah, it, you know he's in shape. That's the thing. He's, he's in shape. Yeah, yeah. His workout that can't be denied. And look, he he knows the system. Like he, I know it was against Miami, yeah. but you know he was there. He has some chemistry with Brady. And man, Brady is dying for a guy to be able to take the top off the defense. That's, he could just come right back in, like late December. Like damn, because I know Gronk can't come back now. Gronk, know. yeah, the, the date passed. I think it was yeah. like November thirtieth was the deadline. So yeah, let us know, guys. So we got Saints. 49ers, Ravens, Seahawks, Chiefs, Texans. What team would you say honorable mention? Just mention a team. Besides the besides the Patriots and Packers? Yeah, you can't pick yeah, those two. Those are obvious picks. 
I guess the Vikings, but I'm not overly enthusiastic about them. Thielen needs to get healthy. Like that offense is so limited when they're chasing game without Thielen. Can I give you a team and you might laugh? If you go Titans, yes. Hey, yo, <laughs> I mean, I'm interested. Yo, listen, we gotta give them more attention. They, like, I'm gonna commit to talk about the Titans. I feel like at, we have not talked about that anymore. after this week. We're we'll be talking about them a lot. You know why, right? Two yeah. of the last three games, the Texans and the Titans play each other. Essentially, that's going to come down to the division. Wow. The Texans play the Broncos this week, and then they play Tennessee. I don't know where. Then there's like a random game, and then it's they close out the year against the Titans too. So that's going to come down to the, the division there. AFC South, Sunday night, second straight year, except this time we don't have to watch Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, and yo, I picked the Titans to win the division this year too. You did. You got some decent calls. Yeah, Just, I got some rough ones too. Yeah, Saints, well, we won't talk about the Falcons, but well, but well, also Saints not making the playoffs, and they're currently the one seed. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> Eagles thirteen and three, and not and winning the Super Bowl. Man, we haven't talked about the Eagles, God. Uh, well, the times that we've talked, we've trashed them. You know, so so that's a that's a conversation for another time when it comes to the Eagles. Now join us. One of my favorite people in the media industry started up with uh, SB Nation, did a little bit of work at Bleach Report. Now he's with the New York Daily News. He's been grinding since, I would say, about 2015. We became boys, I think, shortly afterwards. But finally excited to really have him on. My man, Charles McDonald. What's going on, my man? Nothing much, nothing much. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, we're in the, I guess, you know, towards the end of football season and Wrapping up my first season of Daily News covering the uh, the Giants and the Jets, so I've watched a lot of great football this season. <laughs> Starting it off with a low blow, with my New York Giants, man. <laughs> I also have to keep it. Also, to keep the list of my Chuck is, uh, I guess you could say, I don't know if disgruntled is a word or just disinterested at this point, but he is a Falcons fan, so the shots are coming in a lot of different directions. Yeah. Uh... I mean, Alan, you know how it is. We're Falcons fans. I don't know if disgruntled, depressed, upset, dejected is the right word, but let's just go with all of the above. Yeah, that's one. Man, which, uh, so you say you were at Jet practice today. You're going to Giant practice tomorrow. At the time of recording, it's, you know, right before kickoff of this Thursday night football game. Which, which organization you think is in a more shitty situation right now moving forward? Because <laughs> self esteem in New York sports, man, is at an all time low. You know, I, I, I guess, I, I know this is going to hurt you, but I, I think I would have to say the Giants because I, I think that both of them are in really similar kind of crappy situations where, you know, both both teams had seasons that went uh, underwhelming, I would say. I think the Jets, to a degree, is because so many injuries. I mean, you know, C.J. Mosley has been hurt pretty much the entire season. Uh, you know, they had a lot of injuries on the offensive line. They lost a ton of their cornerbacks. Tremaine Johnson got hurt. Uh, Dale Roberts has been out. Like, they're on their, you know, fourth and fifth string cornerbacks if you just look at, like, who they've added throughout the season. Uh, but they still been able to get four wins. I, I think I'll roll a Giants because, as far as who's more disappointed, because, you know, if you're looking at both these teams in terms of they both failed expectations and you want to look at, what's going to happen in the future. I, I just believe a little bit more in Sam Darnold than I do in Daniel Jones. I, I think that, you know, the, the Giants supporting cast hasn't been healthy for the majority of the season. I think, you know, it, it's kind of funny because if you talk to these guys in the locker room, what they stress to you is that, you know, we ha- they haven't had a single game where Saquon Barkley, Dylan Shepard, Evan Ingram, uh, 
and uh, Golden Tate were on the field together. And it's kind of funny that the first game that all four of those guys are going to be together, it's Eli taking the snaps at quarterback on Monday night. So, uh, you know, they've been a little bit unhealthy, but I, I'm just so, I just like Sam Darnold's game more than I do Daniel Jones. You know, it's a little bit more chaotic, but it also lends itself to playing with a poor, poor supporting cast. So, you know, they had a little three-game winning streak where I thought Darnold was great for the most part. He's just one of those guys that, you know, innately knows how to make plays when things are breaking down around him. So I feel good about, I mean, okay, let me not say good, because I don't really feel good about the Jets' future, but if I have to pick one, I think I'll roll with them because I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Sam Darnold's game for what it is, and I, I just like it a little bit better than uh, Daniel Jones. One thing I'm curious about, because when you look at the Jets, is Le'Veon Bell, because Going to this year, there's a lot of expectations of Bell. Is he going to look the same? It just seems like he's not explosive at all. I don't think he has a run over 20 yards this year. Do you think him holding out last year has kind of really affected his career, or is it more just the lack of an offensive line? Because as you know, the Jets' offensive line has yeah, been a train wreck. It's really, it's funny because I was literally just talking about this with, uh, I don't remember who, but it's someone that reports for the Jets, one of these outlets uh, in New York City. And we were talking about Le'Veon in the sense where if you look at his his play style, where you know everyone talks about how patient he is and how much, how long he waits to hit these holes, well, you you also have to take offensive line fact, offensive line talent like into account with what makes Le'Veon Bell great. So if you go back to Pittsburgh, right, you have Marquise Pouncey, who's a Pro Bowler, David DeCastro, who's a Pro Bowler, Charlie Villanueva, who I'm pretty sure has made a Pro Bowl as well. So, you know, you're talking about three of the five walks of the linemen are Pro Bowl talent. So, when you get that ball, and if you're Le'Veon and you like to wait and see what happens, it helps to have guys who you know are going to win their one-on-one blocks or they're going to row grade down the field while you wait and decide and, and pick what hole's going to happen. That is not the case with the Jets at all. And, you know, like I said, uh, they've had some injuries. Kelvin Beachman has been in and out of the lineup with Injuries to both of his ankles. Uh, Ryan Khalil is on injury reserve. Their rookie offensive lineman, Shuma Udoja, has been hurt too. Uh, but when you're going to sit back there and be patient, it, it, you can't really play that way if defensive linemen are just going to be breaking through the first level of the offensive line in like a heartbeat. And I think that that's what some of the issue is. You know, when he, on the plays where they can get blocking, he looks similar to me, even if the explosive runs haven't been there. But the level of blocking is just such downgrade from what he was used to in Pittsburgh that, you know, realistically, the running style just doesn't work like it does here. Uh, and, you know, he, he didn't have success over the past month and a half as a receiver. You know, up until that Bengals game, he was on a three-game streak, and he caught, like, 19 of his 20 targets. Uh, and, you know, was putting in, like, uh, a pretty solid yards per target, too. I think he was at almost 10 yards, which is what you see for, like, the upper echelon of receivers. So... Uh, it, it's like the talent's still there, but the situation isn't great for him. But, you know, <laughs> Le'Veon's been pretty candid about, you know, he, he came to New York to get his guaranteed money. And, you know, don't believe the 5 for 70 stuff with the Steelers. Like, he's getting more guaranteed money in terms of having not only guaranteed money, but, like, guaranteed years with the Jets. So, uh, he got what he came for. He got the money that's hard for running backs to get, and he sacrificed productivity at the expense of it. But, you know, to each his own. I don't blame him for trying to get his bag because running bags have a short child life. But uh, I don't think he's ever going to be productive like he was in Pittsburgh. 
Man, you bring up a good point. And I feel like a lot of times people just think that it's it's so easy to just like sort of plug and play, right? Like, oh, you know, Le'Veon Bell, he'll be able to do what he did with Pittsburgh. And I feel like not enough people bring up what you mentioned. Like, dude, I think I think the Steelers got the best offensive line in the AFC, in my opinion. And, you know, it's been a unit who my buddy Tim, who used to be on the show, he would always say how, you know, year in, year out, they sort of return all five starters where – the Jets, it seems like it's been a revolving door at every offensive line position since they lost the Staples, right? Mm-hmm. Brickishaw Ferguson. Fanica. Fanica, Mangold, all these guys. It's like, it's always, we talk we talk about this all the time, man. And, you know, you cover the Jets and Giants. No one ever gets hyped when you take a left guard from, like, Wisconsin in the draft because it's not a flashy position. And I think that that's a super underrated thing about Le'Veon Bell's struggles. Yeah, and I think, you know, the same thing's going on with with the Giants, too, where, you know, anyone would say, if you're just ranking guys off pure talent in terms of running back position, you know, Saquon Barkley might be at the top of a lot of this list. I mean, you just look at how explosive he is and all the things he can do as a receiver, but when you get to the point where, if we can take the game versus the Jets as an example, where you have Eric Smith at your left tackle position, he's like, you know, it, it was. He's been in the NFL for four years, and that was the first game he's ever played. So, uh, I think that says a lot about the position that they were in in that game. And Saquon Barkley rushed 13 times for one yard, a single yard. So, you know, just inherently that someone like Saquon Barkley should never be producing like that. And you kind of have to look at it in a whole context where. Uh, and it's kind of the argument against taking him number two overall in the first place where, you know, running production is so based on, you know, who's calling the plays, who's blocking up front more than it is the individual running back talent. And I think that the Giants and the Jets is what's happening with Saquon Barkley and Le'Veon Bell is a good testament to that because we all know Saquon Barkley is good. We all know Le'Veon Bell is good, but there are just so many factors working in you know, against them that it's been hard for them to be productive at all this year. And, it, you know, Saquon's been hurt, too, with the high ankle right. sprain. He'll, he'll, he'll swear up and down to you that he's healthy, but everyone who's watched him knows that he's not been himself this year up until, like, that game on Sunday versus Green Bay. And he got hurt in week three. You know, that was week 13. So we were going on about two and a half months of him not really being himself uh, or being out of the lineup. And, it's just so many extenuating circumstances for for running backs that it, it's you almost have to look at the entire offense when you look at why they're not product why they're not producing. And you also got to remember how you know it's he got hurt in week three and it's not like he's been on the shelf this whole time and allowed it to properly recover. It's like this guy's been out there the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, who's. Yeah, in the NFL yesterday, we were talking about Saquon Barkley uh, and his production this year, and this person was basically saying, you know, Saquon came after he came back to the lineup after three weeks suffering what was reported to be like a pretty severe high ankle sprain. Uh, I mean, I, I remember in that game because that, that was Daniel Jones' first start mm-hmm. when Daniel Jones, uh, like, he came back or scored a touchdown at the end, or, or no, it was when they missed the field goal, Tampa Bay did to lose the game. And you see Saquon celebrating, and he can't put any weight on his ankle. And then three weeks later, he's back in the starting lineup. And at the time, you know, we chalked it up to, uh, oh, he's a, you know, he's a superhuman. You just look at his combine. He's not one of us, blah, 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 blah. But this guy I was talking to yesterday that's very tight in the NFL circles and has spent a lot of time coaching the league, he says, you know, 
we have a severe high sprain. That usually takes like eight weeks to get back to normal. And he was in the lineup after three. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that now that we're 10 weeks removed, he had his best game, like his first game over four yards of carry uh, in like almost two months uh, on Sunday. So he's just starting to get back to where he, wa- where he was. The offensive line's really bad. Like Nate Solder has been great. Willie Hernandez hasn't taken that next step after a promising rookie year. Uh, it, it's just it's tough sledding for these running backs in New York, even with the brand name talent. I feel like everyone that's listening to the show so far, we got you on for about you know roughly 11, 12 minutes. They're probably like, please, for the love of God, don't talk about two teams that have a combined what six wins. So let's let's talk a little bit about some like NFL teams, man. What what team has surprised you this year? Whether it's from a good standpoint or a damn, I can't believe they're this bad. Uh, I mean, from a good standpoint, it's it's the Ravens for me because I've I've been a big Lamar Jackson believer uh, since he won the Heisman in 2016. Like I I just couldn't believe some of the stuff that he put on tape. Uh, and to me, Lamar Jackson at that point was yeah, he might not be the best passer or the most refined passer, but the dude just makes so many plays per game, and he keeps Louisville in these games against teams they have no business. Uh, playing against and I think you've seen that with how far they've fallen since he left and everything else uh, kind of stayed the same outside of by Petrina getting fired uh, and for him to take the leap like here's the crazy thing about Lamar Jackson is you have remember the last time we saw him play before the season was that game against the Chargers in the playoffs and I think anyone you know, like even if you love Lamar Jackson like I I do that was a terrible game for him I mean Dan Lebertard talks about all the time where he went two televised hours of of that game without completing a single pass. And then the first game out, I know it's the Dolphins and they're, they stink and they're tanking all this stuff, but he, he, he threw for five touchdowns on 20 attempts. He had more touchdowns than incompletions. And, you know, he kind of kept up that same level of play all season. And I thought that he was going to be good, but for him to go from, you know, is this guy the future to MVP in less than a calendar year is just – pretty outstanding you know greg roman was a, a perfect offensive coordinator hire for him he had success with colin kaepernick and tyra taylor so you know you have someone that has an idea how to maximize the mobile quarterbacks and you know you pair in that offensive line that has three all pro talents on it too with with ronnie stanley marshall yond and orlando brown like that offense is just such a machine and then the defense has gotten better throughout the season i mean for their offense to go from where it was last year to where it is, not, where it is this year, I mean, on a points-per-drive basis, they're scoring as much as the Kansas City Chiefs were last year and even the Falcons in 2016. Like, it's it, it's pretty unbelievable. I do feel that I am obligated to ask you at least one Falcons question. So, <laughs> uh, Is that the one that disappointed you? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, they're terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so... so I, I was like pretty, I was pretty pessimistic about the Falcons coming into the season, mainly because they hired Derek Cotter, and I just was not on board with that at all. Like, if you're going to hire Derek Cotter, you might as well just keep Steve Sarkeesian. And I do understand that their first choice, Gary Kubiak, fell through because at the time, John Elway was not letting Kubiak uh, interview for jobs, so they went and hired Derek Cotter, and as soon as they hired Derek Cotter. Elway had a change of heart and let Kubiak go to the Vikings, and you see what's going on with that offense uh, this year. Uh, so, you know, that was pretty disappointing. So I didn't really have high hopes to begin with, but they've been even worse than I, I could even 
I can really even imagine because, you know, last year at least you can really blame it on the injuries, but they haven't been hurt at, at all like the same way that they were last year where they were just losing starters left and right at the beginning of the season. It's just a really bad football team, and it, it's time for Dan Quinn to go probably, which sucks because I, I, I've I met him personally a, a few times, and he's, just, he's a great guy. Uh, and he's he's had so many good moments in Atlanta, but the last two years have just been, you know, h- how do you how do you how do you keep how, like how do you bring this back for 2020? So uh-huh. you know, it, it's time to hit the reset button. You still got some pieces. There's still, I think, enough pieces in place to go on a playoff run next year. But you got to get the right coach involved. Exactly. Uh, I'm just curious because now you've been with New York Post for a few months though, like how's the New York media grind? Because when everyone thinks about New York media, they talk about, oh, this is such an uh, intimidating place to work in, just, you know, given that much demand, the pressure of the competition. How's it been like for you? Uh, I thought I was pretty nervous when I started because, you know, like you hear, you hear the reputation of like New York media and all that stuff. But uh, one thing that Twitter has helped me with a lot is I'm built for the hot takes. Like, I, this is true. and it, it, it's crazy to say, but like you, like you guys know New York media, like it, it's all about the hot takes. And if, if you can go in there and you have an idea of like, what's going to rile people up or what's going to get people interested in your stuff, it's really not that much worse than like what I was doing as a nation on a, on a national level. So uh, it, it was an adjustment at first. Like this was my first job where I have to go to the locker room and go to the games and talk to players and all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it does help being around the same age as all the players. And, uh, you know, I, I've had enough experience dealing with, like, assholes on Twitter that the New York media climate was not really that big of an adjustment for me, at least from, like, the stuff that I was receiving from people. And you also did some work during training camp with the Redskins. Do you think that helped you a little bit when it comes to just talking to players? Oh, yeah, for sure. I. Uh, you know, just going there and, and being able to talk to them and have access to them and be able to pick the brains of other people that I trust in the industry, uh, that, that helped a lot. And honestly, that that experience going to Washington camp was when I realized that I wanted to be a little bit more hands-on with this stuff. And then the Daily News came out and hit me up like a week later just coincidentally. So the timing was all perfect uh, in terms of getting this gig. Wait, I, I'm sorry if you mentioned this, but are you where are you from originally? Are you from New York? Uh, so I'm. I was originally born in. I was born in Decatur, uh, Georgia, hence the Falcons fandom. Mm-hmm. But I would say, like, I would say I grew up in between like Baltimore and Charlotte. Uh, cause I, I spent middle school in Charlotte, high school in Baltimore. Uh, so you know, I, I would say I grew up there, which you know. Kind of helps my Ravens fan in the little bit because I've been to a ton of games uh, throughout high school. Now, when you when you first came to New York to work, uh, you know, for your job, was it the first time that you came to New York? Because I'm always fascinated by people who are from out of t- you know, like to pull the curtain back a little bit. My like you know nine to five job, I guess you could say, is I'm a street vendor in the city. My dad has a coffee truck on 49th and Park Ave, so I'm always fascinated by people that. You know, they move from a different place and they come into New York and they work here. And it's like, how was adjusting to the speed of the city, man, and the uh, the population and all that stuff? Well, I've been here a few times before, but I mean, just keep it transparent. That was mainly just to get drunk and turn up with my friends. There you go. Uh, so <laughs> so I, I like been here on like a very casual basis before, but uh 
You know, I moved here from D.C. Uh, a few weeks ago because that's where the SB Nation headquarters are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's been a bit of adjustment from D.C. because it's definitely busier. But, I, I, I mean, I'm enjoying New York. I, I like the the dirty-ass subway system. I mean, it, you see some characters on there for sure. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, you know, it's so convenient. Like it's more convenient than DC because it, it has a wider outreach. Uh, outreach, I guess. Uh, but I mean, I don't really think that moving here has, has been that difficult. I've enjoyed it pretty much every step of the way outside of these teams just losing every week. Well, Chuck, I appreciate your time, man. Um, tell the people where they can find you. If you're working on anything, the floor is yours. Plug away. Everything's going to be in the description, guys, in case you missed what he's about to say now. But the floor is yours, my friend. Plug away. All right. So you can follow me on Twitter at 4Verts. That's F-O-U-R-V-E-R-T-S. Uh, if you want to hear more of my uh, my voice, me and my friend Justice, we do a podcast like very, very occasionally now because I'm working in New York. He's doing stuff with the XFL. So, we haven't had too much time to podcast, but we do that. It's called Seven the Edge. Uh, you can find the link to that in my Twitter bio. Uh, I recently, I, or just yesterday, the day before, I was on the Mean of Time show. Uh, we were talking, you know, more Giants talk and then some of the, the broader NFL stuff. So, you know, that's that's where I'm usually at. And then if you ever just pick up, if you're in New York and you ever just pick up a daily newspaper, my stuff's going to be in there too. So that's what I got. Dude, your rise has been incredible since I remember you were coming out in 2015. That's when you started writing. So to see you now back in 2019, just working on Daily News, covering the beat like this, it's great to see. So congrats to all your success and keep it going. I appreciate you. We'll, uh, we'll have to link soon for a beer. Absolutely, dude. Have a good one. All right, have a good one. Make sure you guys show some love to our guy Chuck, man. Sounds like a cool dude. Definitely want to get a beer with him, Alan. Dude, he's a man. I think we was with him in September. I forgot what college game it was on. It's like Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, we just shit sh- for like three hours. Yeah, super cool dude. He's also a Georgia fan too. So he's when it comes to sports heartbreak, he's he's been there, been there, bit. done yeah. that. That Georgia Bama game a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, let's uh let's talk a little bit quick before we get into games of the week. It was something that you thought was very important, and I agree with you. And I hope that he is the future head coach for the New York Giants. Ron Rivera fired. Surprised. Not after hearing the interview from David Tepper, who's the owner. He's taken uh-huh. over for Jerry Richardson. And I, I think it's a very honorable approach. He just wants to look at candidates now. Why wait four weeks? Let's just start assessing our options rather than you know doing it behind a, guy, a guy's back who has a lot of respect. I know Ron Rivera, maybe not the most I guess, strategic coach. Like he, Some of his decision-making is pretty bizarre, but at the same time, he commands respect. And I know that locker room really plays for him. So, And the fact that he, look, he's accomplished a lot. Three straight NFC South champions, I believe, from 2013 to 2015. Obviously, went to Super Bowl in that 15 season. So he's someone that's very credible. And I I like the fact that the camera's like, okay, we just have to look at our options. Why wait? So I think at first I was shocked, but then after you listen to what Tepper was saying, it makes total sense. I am praying to the football guys that he's a head coach for the Giants. Pat Shermer, n- no respect, none. You, you got to go. It's it's just ran its course. I think yeah. he's – I'm a big fan of what do players say about you when you're gone, right? You know, a lot of people, they get traded or they leave a place and then they kind of just bash a dude, right? Like, no one really said anything nice about Mike McCarthy, 
Right? You see it time and time again. A guy leaves, and then it's like, oh, that guy sucked. We didn't like him. When Grigson left Indianapolis, they were throwing a parade. I mean, it didn't take much <laughs> to realize that that was a shitbag organization as far as how that was being run. But a lot of people took to Twitter, social media, and everyone from Ryan Khalil to Cam Newton to McCaffrey honoring Greg Olson, you know, Ron Rivera and showing love to him. That's what the Giants need. And I think that it's not going to take long for him to start interviewing. I think he's going to be a head coach next year. He should be a head coach. I always thought he was kind of uh, underrated. Like, he got the big reputation, Riverboat Ron, being mm-hmm. a guy who liked to go for it. And he kind of he kind of became a fan of the analytics as far as, like, yo, it's fourth and one. Why should I punt? Why not go for it, you know? And I just think it's something that, the uh, like, he should go to a team that needs a culture change. And right now, like, for the New York Giants, and sorry, I'm going to talk about my team, the Giants are one of the more poorly run organizations in the NFL the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's not being talked about enough. Do you know since 2017, who has more wins, the Cleveland Browns or the New York Giants? Oh, Cleveland Browns. And that factors in an 0 and fucking 16 season. Browns were half decent last year. <laughs> Giants in 2017, after going 11 and 5, 3 and 13, 5 and 11, 2 and 10 at the time of recording, going into week 14, right? Remove the eleven and five season. Six and ten, six and ten, seven and nine. Now you're gonna say, yo, Lamb, you guys won a Super Bowl. I understand. And I'm beyond happy for it. What would you do for a Super Bowl? A lot. A lot of inappropriate <laughs> things, maybe too. You know, get a little yeah, wild. Yeah. But the Giants have been a shitbag organization for a very long time. And the thing that has covered it up has been the Super Bowl wins, obviously, and also that eleven and five year. The Browns in 2017, 0-16. Then they went 7-8-1, and, and then they're 5-7 and seven right now. So even with an 0-16, they have a better record than the New York Giants. From top to bottom, uh, the Maras have not been running well. The Tish family has not been running well. There's the, there's the, on Giants Twitter and in the Giants fan base, they're cursed ever since Tom Coughlin came off the podium. And they stood up to shake his hand, and he didn't shake their hand. And he kind of just like cold shouldered them and it was a power move it's just like you know and look the team got injured i get that but i watched them more than anyone that i know right and i i hate doing that like watch the game kind of thing but like you know there's not many people that could check me when it comes to the giants and i just think that they've been an awful team and a guy like ron Rivera is a guy who's gonna take no shit he's gonna improve the defense and bring credibility yeah and it's gonna be like yo this is a guy who i've seen him go to toe to toe with guys that are good head coaches and prevail. You know, yeah. he's gone at it with Sean Payton year in, year out. Yeah. And, you know, Dan Quinn, obviously it's it's fallen off now, but I just think that it's something that needs to happen for the They were yeah. really good in 2017. People forget that MC South in 2017, three playoff teams. New Orleans won division, Carolina Atlanta both went to the playoffs. So it's not like a situation like the Giants where the Panthers have been awful. It's like, no, they made the playoffs in 2017. They lost the Saints in the wild card. And when they missed the playoffs, it's like, you know, they missed Cam the playoffs in 2016, yeah. right? Well, the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. Right. They don't, they, you know, they, they've had to run through the Saints, who have been a premier team in the NFL since oh, yeah. Peyton. And so I think Ron Rivera is a guy who is definitely going to be a head coach. And I think he's going to be a head coach now. And I think if you're a team like, you know, like the Giants. You said culture change. What I view as culture change, a team like the Jaguars, Giants, or Redskins. Now, I can't advocate any person in the world of work for the Redskins, so I'm going to eliminate the Redskins. Whoever takes that job, 
Good luck to you. For me, I think it's Giants and Jaguars are the two best choices. I don't think a team like Dallas or Atlanta should get run over. I think they need to get offensive mind coach just where they're at yeah. in terms of the franchise. I think they just have to take a chance on some offensive mind coach. But a team like the Giants or, or the Jaguars, they just need someone to go, go in there, bring some credibility, and just establish something. Because I think both teams are really lacking in that department. Look, Ron Rivera, he has a resume. And I think he's someone that hasn't really burnt bridges. It's not like a Mike McCarthy situation where it's like, okay, he's clearly out of his depth. He's been riding Rodgers' coattails for years. Ron Rivera did a lot of good things for Carolina. And he's not far removed from you know being the coach of a team that is Super Bowl caliber. You know, I think another underrated thing, and I got to give a shout out to Jess, Danny's wife, uh, our buddy Danny. She was like, yo, I think that they got rid of Ron Rivera because he didn't want to get rid of Cam. You know, there was reports that, you know. I don't know how much I'm buying that. Yeah, you don't think that could be something? Maybe I, Ron Rivera. I just think he ran his course. Like, eventually, it's just like, he's been there for a while, right? Like Nine like, years. Nine years. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sometimes he just runs his course. All right. Yeah. Happened to Mike Smith. I love Mike Smith. <laughs> but it happened. Uh, I mean, shit, Tom yeah. Coughlin, same thing, you know? Yeah. Like, And I know Tom Coughlin won a Super Bowl, but eventually, like, Dude, it's hard to do what Sean Payton's doing. Uh, Harbaugh brother from right. from Baltimore, he was yeah. on the hot seat last year. He was on literally hot seat. Like they were like, all right, yeah. If he didn't pull the trigger on Lamar, he probably yeah. would have not. You know, because they went six and one down the stretch. They made the playoffs. You have two down years. You're in trouble in this league. That's what it comes down to. Especially when your team is clearly talented. Like Carolina has a lot of talent. They invest a lot. So that's why I think. It just kind of ran its course, but I'm excited to see where he goes. But I think either the Giants or Jaguars is the best lane spot for him. Let's run through some of these games of the week because we are running a little extra than usual. And, you know, we got to get out of here and go and handle some behind the scenes stuff. Uh, make sure you guys all tune in to the episode on Monday. There's a big announcement coming for the show. If you guys are Patreon members, you guys already know, but some exciting stuff happening over here on VM. All right. 49ers and Saints. Woo. Um, NFC Championship preview. Yeah? Going think, out there and I saying? think so. Even though the Niners are currently, I believe, the 5C. Five 5C, five man. Crazy, right? They got some work to do. Let me just ask you just a general question. Do you think it's time to maybe change that? Yes. Like, the NFC East has no business having a home game. They really might go 13-3 and three and have to go to a potentially... Eight and eight is not out the realm of possibility. But look up to the Chargers last year. What were they? Twelve and four, and yeah. they had to go Baltimore. That's a tense place to play. I yeah. know they won, but still, yeah, that was not ideal. So, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. You're right, and I think that it's something that needs to be considered because I I think that's not that's not right. You know, mm -hmm. I don't I don't think it's fair. And sure, you could say, well, the luxury of winning your division is you get a home game, but still, like. Like you said, you don't eight and eight. You shouldn't like. No. There should be a rule where like, yo, minimum you need to win ten games, ten games or more to host a playoff. Or game. do what the NBA does when it comes to like the top three, four seeds, right? Don't they like well, do all wins? Well, the NBA does. Uh, I believe division winners are the top three seeds. Oh, I thought maybe well, it used to be. No, no, actually, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, I thought maybe because it wins and then maybe they can't go lower than four. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You can't go lower than than they than should the do something like that, but. I think with any sort of 49ers game, when it comes to a premier matchup, it pretty much rides on Jimmy G. Mm -hmm. Is he going to make enough throws? I think some of these games where it's just, I don't know, he doesn't see linebackers. It's just he takes too many chances where he probably could go to another option. It's just I don't think he see, reads the game as well as we thought he would. Because remember, 2017, when he took over, he was taking the lead by storm. So I think it's still kind of a hit and miss season for Jimmy G. And going that environment in New Orleans, it's going to be very, very intimidating. So I think that's pretty much what's going to determine this game is how well he plays. And, you know, of course, 
how much of an impact will the Niners pass rush have? Because you know Sean Payne's ready for those screens. He's ready for screens and six-yard hitches of Michael Thomas. Like, I think he's going to have Drew Brees ready for uh, whatever that pass rush may be. But I think this game's going to come down to how well Jimmy G plays. Shout-out to our guy, Taron. Does some work with PFF. He sent us some stats here. And he goes, you know, PFF overall ranking, Saints are third, Niners are fourth. Ram check, you're talking about the pass rush. Currently the highest-graded right tackle in football. And he's stud. Yeah, yeah. And he's gonna you know, he's gonna have his hands full. Got D Ford. Because Bosa pretty much lines up on the other opposite side, side of yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And you know, also I think the biggest question mark here, and I talked about it earlier in the show when we did our Super Bowl contenders segment. I think George Kittle, for what he means to the San Francisco 49ers, is probably the most impactful non quarterback to an offense in football. Yeah, that or the other guy on the other side of the field, Michael Thomas, what he does for New Orleans. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he gets too. the most targets. Drew Brees. You He's on pace us. to break Harrison's record. Wow. Which yeah. is a record that's been around for like close to 20 years now. Yeah. Ooh, him against Sherman. Sherman is not afraid to get physical. Michael Thomas is arguably the most physical. Rec- him and Hopkins are the most physical receivers in the league. So that's a fun matchup. It's just, it's just, a, just all across the board, it's a phenomenal matchup. That's why I think it's the NFC Championship preview. So that's why I think there's re- so many reasons to get excited about it. I'm just I'm curious to see how the quarterback play in particular, just because how shaky Jimmy G is looked and how many chances Drew Brees is going to take. Because you know this kind of time to it's the I guess December, even though he was injured previously, Drew Brees kind of gets conservative now. So I'm wondering how many chances he takes in the game, especially given the stakes. Because if the Saints win, I think they have a really good sh- chance at getting the first seed. So well, they essentially would have like a two game lead on the Seahawks because they own the tiebreaker over right. them. And then they would own the tiebreaker over the Niners. And then I don't think they need that else. dome, man. That dome is such an advantage. Yeah. 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 So who you got in this game? Going to go New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. the dome. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. I think it's a rough spot for the Niners. Back-to-back games on the East Coast. Two of, you know, both of those teams might be in the Super Bowl too. The Ravens and the Saints. Just another intimidating place to play too. Like New yeah. Orleans is just that But dome. you know what? The Niners, they impressed me last week, man. I, I think I, I, I got a lot of respect out of the Niners in that game against the the Saints. That defense will always keep it competitive. Yeah. Next game up, we got the Chiefs and the Patriots, the AFC title game preview from a year ago. Patriots are still the number one ranked team despite losing to the Texans per PFF. We're talking about the Chiefs are healthy. Um, finally, they have no, they have all but one player on the injury report. And Brady, very telling stat, has had has more incompletions due to wide receiver error than any other quarterback. So, you know, Brady does look bad. He does look shaky, but a lot of that is on the wide receiver. You know, a lot of new pieces, right? Like Keanu Neal. Oh, well, sorry. Mohamed Sanu. <laughs> Keanu Neal. Oh, Mo- Mo Sanu. Um, Myers. Harry. Myers. It's like yeah. these guys are new guys that are getting acclimated to the system. That Harry draft pick, I'm still wondering why they made a decision. This guy cannot separate. Could you imagine they drafted someone like Terry McLaurin? Hold on. Not only that. They have not been good at drafting wide receiver ever under Belichick. They really haven't. N- name a wide receiver that's been good for them, that they drafted. Shit, Edelman they drafted as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So they've they've never they've been able to get like I, I liked Malcolm Mitchell for a bit, but he just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, he couldn't stay healthy. Oh, but, 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 that was, but that wasn't a first round pick, is what I'm saying. Like no, they second round pick. You know, yeah. it's like they've Dobson was second round pick too. Yeah, they've swung and missed on a lot of wide receivers. But what they do very, very well is they'll you know, they'll get the West Welker. They'll get the Randy Boss. Obviously, Randy Boss, but Dante Stallworth, mm-hmm. right? Dion Branch, they made a thing. But how are you feeling about this game, man? Because I do think that this might be a spot where Mahomes reminds people, like, yeah, I'm still here. Hey, don't forget about me. I just think that's the speed that they have could really 
destroy the Patriots defense. Patriots linebackers are slow. Uh, I think if any receiver could get at Gilmore, it's Tyreek Hill. We've seen in the past. That's a, another worrying matchup. And I think Kelsey, I, I know Belichick kind of prioritized on stopping him the most, but now you have Watkins healthy. I think Hardman is such a dynamic threat. Robinson made a big play. This, I think the Chiefs offense, when it comes to having you know, array of weapons, I think they're the most dangerous offense league in terms of just the talent level they have. And between that and the Patriots pass rush kind of not having much of an impact, I really think the Chiefs could blow this one up. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout, but I could see this being a huge statement win for the Chiefs and uh, even more concern going forward with the Patriots because I think the defense has been a little bit fortunate and now they're going all, I don't think they face the offense with this much firepower, especially on the outside. So I think they could get them at them. We saw Kenny Stills and Fuller and Hopkins kind of get at them. Wait till these Chiefs receivers get at them. Man, speed, 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 speed. I feel like the, the Chiefs go to the combine and they're like, what'd that guy run? 4-3? There he is. Yeah. You know, and and they and they're the I think they're the best screen team in the league. The, the way they get McCoy or even they'll run a wheel route to Thompson or McCoy, whoever. Maybe I mean they'll run tight end screens too. Like they do, they do so much. Yeah. Do you think uh, they're gonna prioritize taking Kelsey out? I think Belichick. That's like his main priority. We've seen that in the past. Yeah, I could see that too. I'm curious to see Stephon Gilmore what he does because I could I could see because man, he's playing lights out, but. If that's the case, don't you think they might do like a Gilmore on Kelsey kind of thing? That's what they did last year. They double teamed Hill, and then I think they put Gilmore on Kelsey. But I think this year they I think they have more talent. Okay, mm-hmm. Watkins could be a little bit inconsistent, but I think Hardman's such an X factor. <laughs> yeah, and you know with those screens between whether it's McCoy, Thompson, maybe one of the Williams's play, who knows? But I think this year they're much more talented than last year, at least when it comes to their skill position players. So. I think that's what concerns me most of the Patriots. Do they have enough? Because I don't even think the Patriots second. Like it's don't get me wrong, McCordy's a great Gilmore, but I don't think they have the corner depth that can match with the Patriots receiver or Chiefs receivers. Chiefs. Yeah, thank God I don't think any defense can. Yeah, that's that's maybe the Ravens. Ravens. That's a lot of firepower. Ravens got man. three stud corners. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to them playing again. Chiefs and the Ravens. I'll like to nice see that. two three seed. Yeah. Or the Ravens might get the one seed now, so who knows? But. But yeah, I think do think this is a big blow. So, but I want to see what Brady can do because, look, Chiefs defense, they will allow yards. So yeah. uh, maybe this is another James White game. We saw him go off last week, although go off to – I'd probably just pile up garbage time numbers. But I think James White, once again, going against those Chiefs linebackers, that's one way you could get at them. So, uh, yeah, this should be another classic game. But I'm definitely going Kansas City. I'm riding that momentum. I think I'm going to go with Kansas City too, man. I, I don't like what I'm seeing from this Patriot offense. And I think they, if they lose this game too, and it's another issue where they can't move the ball on offense, I could see them maybe making a move to bring A.B. back and just being like, yo, fuck it. Let's just deal with it. Then they got to play the Bills next. Yeah. That's another tough defense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Last but not least, speaking of Buffalo, no one circles the wagon. Buffalo Bills. Uh, betting perspective, a little betting talk. Be very careful with this game. Bills are a five-point underdog. They're playing in the Ralph. Biggest game that they've played there in a very long time? Considering it's December, yeah. Because even though they made the playoffs in 2017, no one was really taking them that seriously. What yeah. about your boy Ariel saying that they're going to run the table and, and win the division? Ariel's a major homer. <laughs> Love the guy, but he is a big-time homer. When the Knicks win three in a row, he starts talking about NBA Finals. So let's he needs to stick to MMA. But... You have to give a lot of love to the Bills. They completely dominate the Cowboys. They punched them right in the mouth. I love just their swagger now. Like you see, uh, who was it? Phillips and 
Davis White and like Ed Oliver and Shaq Lawson, like all these guys are just talking shit afterwards. Like, oh, Dallas, they're doing the Zeke. It's just Buffalo, they're starting to get the notoriety, and this is how they're doing it. Just that defense consistently plays at a high level, and they make teams work, and I'm really excited to see how they can handle Lamar Jackson. Will they fall? Will they be out of position when they run the Zoe Because that's pretty much how Baltimore won that game. Like Lamar, like eight times, just got. San Fran completely out of position. They just felt they got they got they got baited into the fake. So will Buffalo be organized? Because you would think with Sean McDermott's experience having Tyrod Taylor for a bit, they could be more positionally disciplined going against Lamar and just that unpredictable style. And Greg Roman used to be the coach, I think, well, co- coordinator. Mm-hmm. Rex Ryan cruelly fired him. Remember after that crazy Fitzpatrick game, the Week Two Thursday night game? Yeah. Rex Ryan goes, "All right, our defense allowed about 550 yards and like 45 points, but we're gonna fire our offense coordinator." Yeah. Roman was the guy, so maybe it's a little revenge game getting back at Buffalo. But uh, I'm excited about the Bills. Uh, I I've been really down on them, but I think now you have to start embracing them. You know, I couldn't have been more wrong on Cole Beasley and John Brown. Like, for what they got paid and what they gave him, I was like, you know what? I, I rather would have maybe combined that salary and got a better wide receiver kind of thing. But, man, those guys have been really productive. And Josh Allen, his numbers are, like, are through the roof when I he's think starting. they're in for a rude awakening, though. This is the best cornerback trio. Like, put him against guys like Peters, Humphrey, and Smith. Uh, it's going to be problematic. I think Buffalo's defense is going to need him. To, the Buffalo's defense gonna have to force a few turnovers and keep Baltimore under twenty four. Otherwise, this game I think could be a rout. So, when you think of Josh Allen, what do you think his biggest strength is as a quarterback? He's fearless. Uh, you could say arm strength, but I still don't rate him that highly as a passer. But I just think his fearlessness is really impressive. Just the way he takes defenders heads on he- head on as a when it comes to scrambling or even option plays. But, you know, he, look, he has impressive arm strength. There's no dying. The guy's a cannon. It's just how he challenges it. It's a problem. Like, he still is very erratic at times. Josh Allen, the worst passing grade in football on throws over 20 yards. That's why I asked that because when you think of Josh Allen, you're like airing it downfield kind of thing. He's got arm strength. He does, yeah. He, has he just doesn't have accuracy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yo, you know what? I'm going to go with Buffalo here. I think the Ralph is a very difficult place to play. They they always surprise people. I think Ravens are on such a high right now. You know, they've had like four, several big wins. Like a bunch of big wins in a row, right. right? Like going back to the Seahawks game. Like they've beaten really good teams. Like that's the best case that you can make for the Ravens. Like, sure, they're playing well, but they're also beating teams that are good. You Texans, know? Patriots. The Seahawks, the um what they did, you know, this past week, the mm-hmm. Niners. Right, the Rams, I know, like, but still, like, to go into LA and they just destroyed like, him. Yeah, like they, they never seen a Sean McVay team get that man. They violated them yeah. in every every sense of the word. So, but I'm gonna go with Buffalo, yo. No one circles the wagon. Shout all out right. to the seven one six, yo. <laughs> my people up there, baby. <laughs> look at you, get all give the Bills. Look, I'm, I, I think you have to respect the Bills. I think they have, they're a likable team. Like we haven't even talked about Frank Gore and Singletary. Like they're a good offense. It's just I think Baltimore, what they've assembled defensively, and just what Lamar Jackson is doing right now. It's too much. I think you have to be a real elite team to beat them. Unless Lamar is off game, but I'm going to go with Baltimore. Have we? We've. I think this is the first game we disagree on, right? Ravens versus Bills? Yeah. Uh, you're not much of a better, are you? I'm not. You're not a gambler? I play DFS, fantasy football, and March Madness. 
love right. Marshmallows. Yeah, Big in the brackets. Uh, you might you might not want to hang out with me too much if uh, if you're not a better, because I might I might influence. Yo, we were boys for like six years. I I'm used to it now. When you talk, I I just listen. I try to learn a little bit. You and John Ack, I just try to learn for John Ack is crazy when it comes to him because I'm a big Anik and Florian podcast listener. Uh-huh. So Anik constantly just brings up all oh, the odds here, odds here. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm learning. Well, the coolest thing, my favorite thing about sports betting is it, it just puts it in a different perspective. Uh-huh. You know, you can you can literally have so many different talking points by just talking about odds. You know, yeah. like sure, um, I think the Ravens are gonna. I think the Ravens could win on Sunday, but can they win by more than five in Buffalo? Like, there's different variables, you know? Yeah. Like, you have to flip the line. Would you take the Ravens as an 11-point favorite in Buffalo? Because that's essentially what that line is telling you, right? Because you get three points if you're the home team. So, in essence, it's a six-point swing when you go from playing in Buffalo to playing in Baltimore. So, you flip the number. They're already a five-point favorite. You add the six points. You're looking at, like, an 11 point favorite i don't know i would probably take buffalo so when you're looking at a home team that's a dog that's always the best thing to apply to whether or not if you should bet that favorite or not okay that just blow your mind or no a little bit let's but go I, 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 baby I, I, i've been on dgen a few times so yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah so. talking about it know. but no especially when it comes to like march madness that's when i start like listing heavy into gaming because it's just like you can't pred- as much as i'm a nerd with college best i try to think about matchups it's impossible. Well, well there, there's been years where, like, the the 12 seed beats the 5, and everyone on ESPN is like, oh, upset, upset. It's like, yeah, but they were like a four-point favorite, the 12 seed over yeah. the 5. So it's just, that's a way to get... Wow. <laughs> he hates football. So we're talking about CM Punk. Oh, his wife is looking very lovely. Oh, great girl. Listen, <laughs> they just showed CM Punk on the broadcast. If you guys are watching Thursday Night Football, you'll know exactly what we're Fox. Fox. Fox, the wrestling affiliation. The brand is strong. Uh, let's go, baby. Shout out to CM Punk, man. Top top three favorite wrestlers. Alan, where can they find you? Alan underscore Stirk. It's A-L-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. I do want to plug something. I'm going to be on... Uh, ESPN Charlottesboro, the game they're having me on. It's my first ever ESPN spot. I'm going to talk. Yo, fuck. Congrats, baby. Yeah. Let's go. Shout out to Bill Edwards for hitting me up. We're going to talk uh, Rama Vera because it's Falcons Panthers. So we're going to preview that game. And probably we'll talk a little bit about Dan Quinn. So yeah, I'm going to be on at 430 tomorrow. My first ever ESPN spot. So I'm yeah, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to tune All in. Right. I'll, I'll be tweeting it out. So you, you better fucking mention <laughs> VM or you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now. All right, Vince. This is a this is a ESPN. You better be like, yeah. If they say how can they find you, be like, yeah. Co-host of Veterans Minimum. God Almighty. At the Lamb Show. At at Veterans Minimum. I'm just excited. I'm happy. Yeah, that's dope though. though Thank man. you. All, all kidding aside, congrats. But also all kidding aside, you better mention me on tomorrow. <laughs> guys, enjoy the weekend. We'll catch you guys on Monday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.